Amen. If there's one thing we've been learning through our series in Colossians, it's that nothing matters but Jesus, 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 Jesus. And he is the king. He's already king, but he will be the soon and coming king to forever establish his reign. But he's doing that even now. Through this series, we've been talking about the Christ-centered life. And this morning's emphasis is the Christ-centered life living under lordship. Because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But living under lordship is not theoretical. It's not, well, I feel in my heart that I'm giving my life to Christ. I feel in my heart that I'm going to submit to Jesus as Lord. I mean, yeah, it certainly must be from the heart. But Paul writes to us in very practical ways to show us what it means to live under lordship. To show men, to show women what it means to live under lordship. To show husbands, to show wives what it means to live under lordship. To show fathers on this Father's Day what it means to live under lordship. To show mothers what it means to live under lordship. To show employees and employers what it means to live under lordship. It's not theoretical. It's 24-7 practical. The false teachers were only concerned about quote-unquote spiritual things. They wanted visions. They wanted signs and wonders. They didn't concern themselves with the practical elements of daily life. You know, the, the Roman and Greek philosophies and religions, every one of them developed a household household code. I don't know why that's so hard to say. And this household code, code, uh, it, it told everyone what they were supposed to do. Now, in Greek and Roman philosophies and religions, it, it basically only focused on the man and told the man about all his rights and privileges to rule in his house and have everyone obey him. Christ transforms the social order of every age in timeless ways that align with God's will. Living under lordship, Paul gives us the Christian household code. And we see the beauty of it in this passage. So let's all stand as we show reverence to God in His Word. And follow along. This is uh, the next to the last message in the book of Colossians. Colossians 3:18 through 4:11 Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them Children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord Fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged Bond servants Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there's no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it just because he loves us, and he wants us to understand how to live under lordship 24-7 for the flourishing of our own lives, the flourishing of the church, and even the flourishing of the world. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this household code given to Christians in the name of Jesus, God, show us how different it is from our culture, how different it is even from what we might think. And God, we do pray that you would give us teachable, humble, loving hearts. Bring healing to our lives this morning as we learn to live under lordship. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So, Jesus Christ doesn't erase culture. He transforms it. And this passage contains God's will for transforming society. If you'll notice, as I read, there are a lot of reciprocal responsibilities Paul doesn't address one part without addressing the other part so that there are reciprocal responsibilities. What Paul is doing here basically is unpacking the previous passage where we as Christians are called to love and to humility. How does that live itself out day to day as men, women, husband, wives, children, employers, employees, Now, I recognize that specifically uh, single adults are not addressed uh, by name here, but they're certainly, obviously, singles in the early church. They're singles now, and we are called to also submit to the Lordship of Christ. And many of these motivations, all of them, I should say, apply to everyone in the church. So three motivations. All of us in Christ are equal. There are no superiors. That's what Jesus said, or Paul said, earlier in Colossians 3. In Colossians 3.11, In Christ there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. Christ is all and in all. Paul says the same thing in Galatians 3.28. In Christ there's neither slave nor free, male nor female, Jew nor Greek. However... Just because we're all equal in Christ doesn't mean culture, church, society, home, work doesn't need order for it to function effectively and to bring flourishing by the grace of God to the world. And so in this passage that is timeless, it has nothing to do with, the, with uh, the first century in a male-dominated society. Neither does it have anything to do with feminism that is also out there in the world. 
It's not either of those, but something altogether different. We call it a complementarian understanding of men, women, parents, children, employers, and employees. So let's dig in. First of all, live under lordship by trusting the goodness of Jesus. You're never going to willingly live under lordship unless you believe God's good. Unless you believe he's got your best at heart, you are not going to want to submit yourselves to the lordship of Christ. And this passage is filled with revelations of God's goodness that encourage us to live under the lordship of Christ. First of all, Paul addresses people that aren't even normally addressed. Remember, these letters weren't, they weren't in Bible form. There was only one written to the Colossians. And so these letters were learned on Sunday mornings with 30 to 50 people gathered together, who knows where, and the letter was simply read. And as the letter was read, people were addressed. People were able to see themselves as seen and heard, but were never acknowledged in other household codes. As a matter of fact, as the letters being read, women are even addressed first. They weren't even normally acknowledged. And Paul speaks to them. He says, I see you. He says, I hear you. And so does God. Incredible. There, there, are, there are slaves and masters, employees and employers, worshiping together side by side in a 40-member congregation. And God says to the bondservants, I see you. I hear you. And he says to the masters, I see you. But he also says, I see you. So an amazing goodness of Jesus revealed in these verses. The goodness of Jesus radically transforms the social order of every age. So verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands. Again, women weren't even normally addressed And here they're acknowledged. And in Roman household codes, uh, the only thing wives were told to do is obey. Almost taking the place of a house bondservant themselves. But the goodness of Jesus recasts the role, responsibility, assignment of a wife. And puts it in terms of her heart for God. And the character of love and humility that flows out of her because of the work of grace. Paul appeals to wives to voluntarily choose to respect and honor their husbands. Now this is the way it's always been. This isn't male domination. In Genesis 2 verse 18, God begins the entire creation, the crown of creation, by saying it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the word helper, many of uh, you women especially know this, is, is a Hebrew word that is only ever really applied to God. That's the kind of helpmate that women are. But then... Paul addresses the husbands. He says, husbands, love your wives and not be harsh with them. This is radical. 
There was nothing in the household codes that ever called a man to do anything like this. It is radical for the men to be called out and say, watch your leadership in the home. Watch your leadership in your marriage. And what confidence that gave to the wives in the church. Again, this whole message, you've got to picture 40 or 50 people, husbands being harsh, wives not being submissive, wives being bitter and resentful. You've got to see children that are being treated harshly, children, therefore, who are in rebellion. You've got to see masters that are beating slaves, and they're worshiping together. Awkward. And Paul gives these lessons on lordship. Husbands are reminded as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, you are to die for your wife. Now, if a wife sees that a husband is willing to die for her, there's something that happens in the grace of God that moves that wife to want to show respect, love, and honor to the husband. Children, obey your parents in everything. Now, first of all, here's another honor, value, worth, dignity given to women. It says, children, honor your parents. See, most Roman codes would say, children, honor your fathers. But Paul in Christ says, Children, honor your parents. And one of the roles and responsibilities and assignments of a husband and a father is to assure that the father addresses the hearts of their children toward their mom and always shows respect. Verse 21, fathers, on Father's Day, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger putting clear limits on what it means to be the head of the household. Roman men were abusive to wives and to children. And Christ transforms that and says, yes, God has made you head of the home, but only in such a way that Christ is the head of the church. And Christ being the head of the church means that he cares for the church. He protects the church. He provides for the church. So yes, men, in that way, you are the head of the home. And then he turns to bondservants. Now, Paul Paul is not condoning slavery. And we need to acknowledge that we really have blown it in the past in the church in this area. And you need to know that American slavery was very, very, very different than slavery in Roman and Greek times. The slaves in Roman and Greek times were usually conquered peoples that lost a war. Or they were poor people that that needed some way to live. American slavery was ethnic. It was racial. And it was completely wrong. 
And Paul, even here, however, is not condoning Roman slavery. As a matter of fact, in this passage, he, he sows the seeds that would lead to the destruction of slavery, at least the abolition of slavery among Christians. He says, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Isn't it interesting that he emphasized that? It's like, you're free in Christ. You have these earthly masters, but you're free in Christ. And that was the message sent to bondservants. He says that in masters, look at all the, again, the reciprocal responsibilities. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. That word fairly means as equals. So you've got, you've got slaves and masters in a small congregation hearing this letter read. And you hear the bondservant hear from Jesus, you're free in Christ, but obey your earthly masters. And you hear masters being told by Jesus, treat your slaves as equals. Now, how long do you think slavery is going to last in that kind of environment? It's going to move more toward what we know as employee-employer relationships with fair wages. Picture what a church would look like as it begins to live under the lordship of Christ based on this passage. Husbands and wives reciprocally loving and honoring and respecting one another. Parents loving their children, showing them what gracious authority looks like and how safe it is, how it puts us in a place of, of safety and protection. Think of fathers who, who aren't provoking their children to rebellion by being so harsh and hard and critical, but fathers who are tenderly equipping their children for life. Think of masters and bond servants beginning to respect the other and yet also understand what it means to be brothers in Christ at the same time as one serving the other. If lordship was consistently lived out in this community, it would grab the attention of all the people in Colossae. Nothing, no community like this had ever been witnessed. And one of the reasons the gospel took root in the first century was because God's people lived so differently under the lordship of Christ than the rest of culture lived. You'll never You'll never surrender to lordship until you trust in the goodness of Jesus. Setting up things the way he has for fruitfulness and flourishing. Secondly, live under lordship by submitting to the authority of Jesus. So uh, Paul dangled the carrot of uh, the goodness of Jesus. But there's a sense in which he also brings out the loving stick and says, look, 
Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And this is what he commands. See, most of Colossians is on the grace of God, the privileges of grace. But this section, he does say there's a life to live. There's gospel privileges and there's gospel responsibilities. And here are our responsibilities. Seven times in these nine verses, Paul appeals to the authority of Christ as the foundation of this household code. So grace doesn't mean there's no responsibilities. Grace reveals God's plan for flourishing creation. So wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You see what he's saying there? Not because culture says it's right. Not because men by their power demand it. But because it's it's actually fitting in the Lord. You know, people like to take uh, these passages and say, well, Paul's just addressing things in the context of the first century. They're not timeless principles. Well, what do you do with the fact that it says it's fitting in the Lord? That has nothing to do with first century culture. That is the authority of Christ clearly speaking. So a wife doesn't submit to her husband because he's worthy of it. A wife submits to her husband, respects her husband, honors her husband because she loves Jesus. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The husband is called to remember that he too is part of the bride of Christ and that Christ loves, nourishes, cherishes, provides, and protects the church, the bride. And so Paul says to the husbands, love as you have been loved. And again, remember, like I said to the officers up here, men, spiritual leadership ultimately is being the chief repenter in the home. It's being the lead repenter in the home. It's being the first one to say, I'm sorry. Verse 19. I mean, sorry, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. You see that? It's grounded in the lordship and an authority of Christ, not in culture. You you can't miss this. Paul goes out of his way to say again and again and again, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. This is not cultural. This is biblical. Fathers, do not provoke your children. It says, and then I've already talked about that, bond servants obey in everything. Now, there's a series of verses after this regarding bond servants. Why is that? Well, It's not because bondservants needed more instruction, I promise you. Clearly, it was that most of the congregation at Colossae were bondservants. There were probably only a couple masters, mainly because a lot of the masters were so broken and crooked already, it was going to take God opening their hearts uh, to even want to repent. 
But the bondservants were desperate. You know, it seems like desperate people are, are the ones that are most open to the gospel. Not the arrogant, not the proud, not the prosperous. And so there were probably few masters in the congregation, but there were a lot of bondservants. And that's why Paul, inspired by the Spirit, has so much to say to the bondservants. And he says in verse 23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. You see, again, he's taking out any cultural limitations. And he's saying, work as unto Jesus. Not not for your master, and you apply it in our day, not for your employer, but work as unto Jesus. And then in verse 24, he says it again. You are serving the Lord Christ. So think of, think of this in terms of Joseph. Okay, Joseph uh, was promised all these things as a teenager. He had, he had all these visions. And, and yet he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And everywhere Joseph went, he worked as unto the Lord. Everywhere he went, he obeyed his masters. Because he trusted that the ultimate authority over him was God. That Jesus was in fact ordaining circumstances for the flourishing of Joseph and for the flourishing of the world. And so Joseph worked to make sure that his masters flourished, no matter who he worked for. And at the end of the story... Joseph is able to say, because he sees the end of the story, evil meant it for harm, but God meant it for good, to preserve many alive. In other words, to flourish many people. We submit and surrender to the authority of Jesus. And it still gets back to goodness. Because God has a good, good plan. Are you willing to submit to the Lordship of Christ? And then thirdly, live under Lordship by embracing the wisdom of Jesus. Again, some of the same words, verse 18, wives submit as it is fitting. That word fitting means appropriate. It means right. It means good. It doesn't mean that you're a second-class citizen. It doesn't mean that you're a doormat and the husband's a dictator. Not even close to that. But nonetheless, God does say this. Now, why is it fitting? Why does it lead to wisdom? Well, because, ladies, I don't know if you know this. I think you do, living with us. But, but men, at the core of their being, tend to wonder whether they have what it takes to be a man. Whether men show it or not, we are filled with self-doubt. Whether men show it or not, men long to be respected, honored, to be affirmed that they do have what it takes. And nothing will cause a man in grace to come more alive to God and to his family than a wife who honors 
respects and defers where, where appropriate to her husband. By the way, just I shouldn't even need to say this, but we always obey God rather than man. So, wives, if, if your husband ever comes close to asking you to do something contrary to Scripture, well, you don't submit to that. You don't defer to that. But when there's an opportunity to show honor, humility, and respect in general grace of Christian men, nothing will make them come more alive to God and to you than the wisdom of God that he speaks forth here in this passage. Husbands, verse 9, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Conversely, men, nothing will make your wife come more alive than them feeling that they're living in the safety of one who would give up their lives for them. You know, uh, deferment or honor and respect on behalf of women is usually not a problem if the women know that their husbands are willing to die for them. That their husbands are going to provide. They're going to be protective. Uh, They're going to live with the wife in an understanding way. So there's the wisdom of Jesus causing both the husband and wife to act in such a way that leads by the Spirit to both of them coming more alive. By the way, that's a great barometer of your marriage and, as we move on, your children and parenting. What do you see in their eyes? Husbands, what do you see in your wives' eyes? Are they alive or are they dead? Wives, what do you see in your husband's eyes? Is he alive or is he dead? Parents, what do you see in your children's eyes? Are they coming alive? Or are you crushing their hearts? See, the wisdom of Jesus that needs to be embraced with lordship is he knows what shuts people down. And he knows what brings people alive. And he calls us to live under lordship by embracing that wisdom. Bondservants and masters. Again, bondservants are are to obey out of sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Now, fearing the Lord doesn't mean terrified. Fearing the Lord means all reverence and love. Do all that you do with an eye upon Christ. Then in a transitional verse, verse 25, he says the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he's done and there'll be no partiality. In other words, bondservants mistreated by their masters, it doesn't mean you have the freedom to do wrong. And masters, just because you're in a position of authority and power does not mean that you're going to get away with harshness because you too have a master in heaven. See, the lordship of Christ leads to sanctification. As we embrace the wisdom and the goodness of Jesus and the authority of Jesus, it leads to sanctification. Look, I don't know, wives, I don't know your husbands, many of them, but God does. And God is able to use a husband that's not so fine. 
to lead your heart to a deeper love for Christ and a deeper growth in grace. Husbands, I don't know, some of your wives. Maybe you've never heard one encouraging word from them. Maybe they're the greatest source of your self-doubt rather than affirming you and respecting you. I don't know your wives, but, but God does. And as we submit to lordship, loving our wives, even when we don't feel we get anything in return, God's grace will transform us. Children, your parents at times may be harsh, unkind. But as we put our hope in Christ, our hearts will be changed. By the way, adult children, looking back on your life, either filled with resentment and bitterness for parents or filled with thankfulness, gratitude, and joy for your parents. We need to embrace the wisdom of God, forgive as we've been forgiven, and trust His providence to change us even out of our brokenness. You see, the temptation in a passage like this is to listen with ears focused on everybody else. Wife saying, see, husband, this is what you're supposed to be like. The husband says, see, wife, this is what you're supposed to be like. Employers, employees looking at each other, pointing fingers at each other. Children pointing their fingers at parents. Parents pointing their fingers at children. No, we listen to our own personal assignment, our own personal role, our own personal responsibility. The false teachers only thought about pie in the sky, by and by, soupy spirituality that had no relevance to daily life. The Lordship of Christ has relevance to every role, every responsibility, every assignment, 24-7. And we can submit to Jesus because He's good. He has ultimate authority. And He is all wise, ruling everywhere for the flourishing of our hearts, our homes, our churches, and even the world. Let us humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, for in due time He will exalt us. Let's pray. Father, these household codes are a lot to take in. And Father, some of us may feel very awkward, just like the first century church surely surely did. God, some of us may be uh, squirming. Some of us may feel some bitterness or resentment, while others are confused. But others are in their hearts saying, Amen and Amen. God, make me into the kind of person you want me to be by submitting to your Lordship. And God, if there's anybody here this morning that that hasn't submitted themselves to the Lordship of Christ by not trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that this Father's Day would be the day when people in this room
understand they've just become your children and you their father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and hear the benediction, the promise of God's grace and favor upon our lives. Now, if you're from Oak Mountain, uh, I hope you understand that today's message was the fight step of the waltz, right? We repent. If you, you should have, I would think, heard lots of things today that lead us all to repentance. But we believe the gospel. We believe we're forgiven. We believe we're justified. We believe the Spirit of God's at work in us. And then we set out with a renewed will by the Holy Spirit to carry out these roles and responsibilities and assignments by His wonderful grace. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Abba Father and the fellowship and transforming power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always.